Hi, my name is Lydia. And I'm Emma. And we're the hosts of Holy Ship. We are passionate about creating a space for women to talk about sexuality, their bodies, and all things relationships. We think that for so long, Christian spheres have often failed to address these topics with women in a healthy, shame-free, and open way. So welcome to Holy Ship, where we address all the taboo topics in a way that is honoring to you, your relationships, and God. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Holy Ship. We are in our boundary season and have had so many great conversations so far, and we are so excited for the ones still to come. Today's episode is about boundaries in marriage, and we are joined by Kate Barman. Kate is a pastor of mobilization and families at the Boulevard Church in Holland, Michigan. She has been married to her husband, Scott, for 23 years, and they have five adult children, including their spouses. Other than knowing how to grill the perfect ribeye steak, she also has 18 years of varied ministry experience and has gifted her, that has gifted her to lead as a shepherd and a teacher. Kate has the gifts of hospitality, team building, and relational leadership that enables her to inspire a diverse group of people with equal parts challenge, humor, and care. And as a biracial woman who has poured into children, students, parents, singles, and those journeying through recovery, she knows how to understand and relate to a multitude of people. As a speaker, coach, and advisor, she is gifted to motivate and guide with a proven record of empowering others. And most of all, she loves Jesus and helping other people discover their best selves in his purpose is her sweet spot. So we are so excited to have you with us today, Kate. So welcome. I'm so glad to be here. I'm excited to be a part, get to know you a little bit, have a conversation. Yeah, it'll be so great. So I think just to start, would you mind telling us a little bit more about yourself and your story, just so that people can kind of get some context behind you? Yes, absolutely. Well, I am a Georgia girl, even though I lost my accent years and years ago. Um, I am from Athens, Georgia, so home of the Bulldogs. So it's super excited about their game coming up. Um, U of M and Georgia, our house is going to be a little divided. (laughs) <laughs> my husband's a huge U of M fan and he is a converted dogs fan and now it's going to be problematic. Um, but I moved to Michigan when I was um, about 11, 12 years old, I'm raised by a single mom. Um, she was from a big Irish Catholic family from Pittsburgh. Um, she met my dad at a steakhouse. She was a waitress and he was a cook and um, he was black and that was in Athens and they, they got together in the 70s in a time where people just didn't do that. Little short white Irish women and, um, you know, beautiful chocolate skinned black men from the South didn't get together, but they did and I came along. Um, I am one of a lot of children. I'm the only child by my mom. My dad had lots of kids. I'm the only biracial one. Um, So raised in a very um, non-traditional home. My dad was married to someone else. So I was never raised in a home with my dad. My mom raised me as a single, she was a single parent. And then when I was a teenager, she decided to quit her job of 15 years and we moved to Michigan. We were homeless for a few months. So um, I was raised in a household that didn't have really too many boundaries. My mom and my dad were kind of rolling stones. They did their own thing and lived their own life. I think the only boundary I remember having was keeping the house clean. Like my mama wanted the house clean. Um, But so it's very, like I said, just very non-traditional moved to Michigan after a few months of homelessness, my mom landed a job and I became a rebellious teenager Mm -hmm. moving to small town 
um, Michigan from being in a college town, Athens, Georgia, we moved to a little town called Hamilton. And I was like one of only a few students of color and I was scared out of my mind. So I did every, I broke every boundary to like rebel. So that's funny that you're having me to talk about boundaries yeah. because I am a notorious, like in my past and actually probably even today, I would say I am, I, I am too good at crossing those boundaries and knowing it. Um, and so I try to be reformed in crossing the ones that now are against my faith or that would hurt God or my relationship with others. But um, no, that was kind of a little bit of my story. But in my in my 20s, I became, by then I was a single mom of three and um, met a fantastic guy who said, if you're gonna, if we're gonna date, if we're gonna do this, you're gonna go to church with me. And I was like, I don't know about this, but he had really nice shoulders, like really good <laughs> shoulders, like really good. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I went to church with him, went to church. He and that church changed my life. Mm-hmm. I found my faith, found community, found Jesus, fell in love. And um, through those relationships, found out that I had potential. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing thing when someone says you have potential. Mm-hmm. And um fell in love with the children's Bible. That's how I got to know Jesus. And then just has, have made it my life's work, just living every day for, for God. And he's been so good to me, called me into ministry and um, very quickly moved up. And he called me to be a pastor. And I told him I didn't want to be a pastor. And he called <laughs> me to preach. I said, I want to preach. And I've done all those things. And he was right. Mm-hmm. And um, he's been calling me for a long time to go to seminary. And I've been for the past eight years, kind of picking away. And then this year I'm like, okay, fine. I'm listening. I'm done wrestling with you. My hip hurts. So I, I say I'm a, I'm a first year MDiv student um, that's been at the seminary for eight years and who's been in ministry for almost 20 is crazy. So we're going to talk about oh. boundaries. You just hear all the boundaries I just broke in ministry. Yeah. And you're like, girl, this is going to be a long conversation, but I love it. Um, uh, so there we go. A little bit. Love Jesus. Love the local church. Love my husband more than Oh, the moon and back. Love my kids. Love my family. So there you go. Oh, that's so wonderful. Yeah. I think, um, if you don't mind me saying this, Lydia, why we had um, this idea to have this topic um, with especially someone who is married um, and has experienced that sort of relationship is I had a friend was just talking to me in conversation and was telling me the importance of boundaries. And she was like, and you know what, Emma, like boundaries never go away. Like boundaries stay in all seasons of relationships. They may look different, you know, it it may have a negative connotation to it right now, but boundaries stay in certain relationships. So we were like, it would be so good to have um, someone like you to, tell us a little bit more about what that looks like and to sort of explain the boundaries you had either before marriage or ones that you have now. Um, just speak a little, little to that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, our boundaries. So I was married before um, for a very short time and found that there was not a lot of boundaries in that marriage. Um, but I didn't have a whole lot of boundaries in life, didn't have a whole lot of boundaries in faith. When I became a person of faith, um, I then discovered boundaries because I love God. I love God so much. Um, 
that I started to understand that there's these boundaries that he has in place. And that's the thing about boundaries. God's boundaries don't change because God doesn't change and he's faithful. But we as humans, when we set boundaries, those boundaries can change because we're Mm -hmm. fickle. So like, it depends on who sets the boundaries and what the boundaries are for. So the boundaries in my marriage to to Scott Barman, and I call him Scott Barman, like that's his whole name. I never just call him Scott, Scott (laughs) Barman. So the boundaries like that Scott Barman and I have in our marriage are dictated because of our faith and because of Jesus. And they're easy for us to keep because we both have agreed that we're going to love Jesus more than we love each other. Mm -hmm. And as long as Jesus is first in our marriage, everything else is easy because we know what our boundaries are in our faith to love God first and then to love one another. And so if everything that we're doing is reflecting our love for God, it becomes easy. Now we also realize that in order to have good boundaries, we have to have good communication. And that took some time. Mm -hmm. Um, Learning how to speak and to listen to each other And those two words became so important. We actually had those in our wedding vows to speak and to listen, to inspire and respond. So that's how we're able to hold on to those boundaries. But ladies, it it took some time. Like we had, I had to learn how to fight fair. Like I had to learn, (laughs) I had to learn that you can't throw things at people when you fight. And I did like, that's how I discovered I was going to marry this man. We got into an argument. I am passionate and emotional. And I picked up a picture frame and threw it at him and it like hit the wall and it shattered and he doesn't engage in anger. Right. So we learned, like I learned there a boundary in fighting. He loves God so much. He's not going to engage in that anger because he's going to love me and be calm. And he looked at the mess and he looked at me and he just calmly said, you're going to clean that up. And I went in the broom closet and I started cleaning up. I'm like, who is this man? I'm cleaning this mess. I'm going to marry him. Like, like, de-escalated. So we Mm -hmm. had conversations about good boundaries of fighting, of not hurting each other, not hurting what God has given us with our property. That was a boundary I had to learn um, as I was journeying to become a healthy person at the beginning of our marriage, right? Mm -hmm. But that was all about communication of speaking and listening to each other and realizing what is the best. Um, But I often say, when it comes to boundaries, it's just about talking to each other. Um, when I'm counseling couples that are going to get married, like you need to talk about what you like and what you dislike in every room in the house. Um, if you're in the kitchen, you, that boundary or that thing that you like, maybe that your spouse doesn't like peas. They may not like peas because they're allergic. Well, you know, there's a boundary not to make peas because you don't want to cause your spouse to die, right? So you have those, you, you talk about those things you speak and you listen, you learn those boundaries. We have to take that in every room of the house. Mm-hmm. What TV programs do you want to watch together? What are boundaries about what you watch together, about what you watch separately? What are the boundaries that in the bedroom? What do you like? What don't you like? What feels good? What doesn't feel good? What are the boundaries in the office when you're talking about finances? What's appropriate? What's not appropriate? What can we spend? What should we not spend? That's been a tricky one for us, but we get in there. That's what we find. But it's all about speaking and listening when it comes to those boundaries. It's moments where you don't speak because you're afraid or you stop listening out of anger that a boundary is breached and broken. It takes a lot to repair that. Oh, that was so good. I think what like led you to shift boundaries? Like were there like ever moments that you like had a boundary that you either like had to take down or like a boundary you're like, Oh no, I actually have to put a boundary here. And like, what kind of like led to that shift? 
So uh, one of the boundaries early on in the marriage I had to take down was the boundary that I had about my own body and my own image. Um, I had, I had a set of twins at 17 and then I had another baby at 19. So my body had morphed and changed because when you're pregnant with twins at 16, have that 17, your body doesn't look the same. Mm -hmm. And so I was not comfortable in my own skin and I didn't feel pretty and I felt disfigured. And so I wanted to hide myself. And so um, early on in our marriage, um, my husband didn't like that because he looks at me and he thinks that I'm beautiful. And Mm -hmm. so I always had this boundary about what I was covered or what I was not covered because of how I viewed myself. And um, he put me in front of a mirror and um, he told me to look at myself and I didn't want to look right. And then he started to speak about what he saw, you know, that my body had carried these babies and it's a testament to what I had done. And he gave me new eyes to see that the boundary that I had put up was a false boundary that didn't need to be there, right? But then I started to listen to his words and it was affirmation. And it was like God was speaking through my husband of what he had created. God doesn't make junk. God had made, made our bodies in the most amazing way, like we're his image bearers. But he had also made my body to carry these beautiful children. And so I should never be ashamed of what I have. And so I had to remove that boundary and say, no, what God has created is good. And it's okay if I have stretch marks. My husband sees me as beautiful. My God sees me as beautiful. I need to as well. So it was one of those things where boundaries about our bodies changed that I had to change because I lived up to, I was listening to the false narrative of culture about our bodies, about what it should be. Mm-hmm. And I needed to le- listen to the truth about what God and my husband says about my body. Body. And so that was a beautiful boundary that I had to learn, right? Um, Another instance where I had to learn a boundary, Um, finances. Oh, so, so oh my gosh. (laughs) So my husband comes from a very white middle-class West Michigan family, right? Mm -hmm. And so he had a good sense of money. He went to school for accounting early on. So he knew this. I came from a single parent household. We didn't talk about money. And then I was a single mom, like in my teens and twenties, I had nothing. So money gave me anxiety because I never had enough. Mm-hmm. So when my husband wanted to start talking about finances, like, Hey, we have a budget. We're going to turn our receipts. We're going to track that. I started to get anxious. And every time he would try to set a boundary for us so that we could maintain our household, I would automatically balk or push against it mm-hmm. or not do anything. And I started to have to, after years, it was probably no joke. It was probably 21 years into our marriage, 21 (laughs) years, like 21 years of this man being so patient, like trying to work with me with Mm -hmm. finances and money. He would say, let's, let's look at our budget. Let's look at receipts. Let's look at what you spent. I said, why do you want to show me what I spent? I was there. I'll need to look at it. (laughs) (laughs) As he's wanting to set up a budget and I'm like, I would get anxious. I would feel Mm. bad. Like it's my fault. We don't have enough or Mm. our house is going to fall apart, but it was, it was not true. It was all out of fear. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I realized that I was letting fear dictate how I felt that I couldn't live into this healthy boundary Mm. of like maintaining our budget together or looking at our finances together. um, Because I would push away at that. 
And so it was about a couple of years ago that we sat down and I told him I get anxious and I feel fearful. I wasn't communicating. 21 years of me not telling him how I felt and him trying to be very patient, getting frustrated, realizing I had to set a different boundary now so that when he wants to talk about finances, I have to check my heart, check my ears so that I can look at the boundary lines that we both have agreed on and know that it's a good space, that this is honoring God, it's honoring him. This isn't something to make me feel guilty or to show me what I've done wrong, but something that we can manage together. Mm-hmm. So you see all these boundary things, this is me blowing it in the marriage, <laughs> him being gracious. And I'm the no. pastor, he's just a playground designer. And here I am learning these lessons on it. I think it's great. And, um, you know, you're one of the first people that I've talked with that doesn't automatically, a lot of the times when you talk about boundaries, the first thing that comes to mind is just physical boundaries. And I think it's so important, especially for women, to talk about the other boundaries in relationships. The one, uh, you know, physical is important, but also just like, image and especially finances because that is a huge part of relationships um and like there's just so much more than just the physical aspect and how um how much work needs to go into communicating um so that you can establish those um boundaries so a relationship can really thrive i also liked um what you said about boundaries about like what you consume um like that goes for media i also think that goes for like a healthy diet um that's really important to me is to have you know boundaries on what you uh consume watch and read and listen to and stuff like that because that affects what you think oh my goodness okay so both my parents um are in heaven and my, my dad passed away. They both died of the same thing, heart disease. Hmm. My mom was 58. My dad was just last year. Hmm. And last year I looked at the mirror and I, I looked at, or I looked at myself in the mirror after a friend of mine had snapped a picture of me preaching. And I was like, who is that? Who's that preaching? Is that me? And I looked at my face and because I struggle with boundaries with food, food is that thing I would go to, to be comforted. Like I was mm-hmm. a chubby kid that, you know, my mom would give me food. She'd give me Pepsi and potato chips. Every baby picture I have, I have Pepsi and a baby and, and like French onion dip and ruffles. Mm-hmm. Like that was my pacifier. So I realized I didn't have any good boundaries mm-hmm. when it came to that. And I was on mm-hmm. that same path of heart disease and I'm not ready to go. I got work to do. I got some things I got to accomplish on this earth. And so I started to realize I needed boundaries about when it came to what I was consuming, what I was putting in my body. And so it took me downloading an app and being diligent to say, I haven't treated my body like a temple. I now is the time that I've changed that, that it took me a good year of every day, like journaling that and understanding macros and micros and what's a healthy fat and not healthy fat. I started running and I dropped 50 pounds and like all of my numbers got like have been so much better. My doctor's like, I don't know what you're doing, but you know, for a woman who is 46, this is amazing. I'm like, hold on a second. What do you mean? He's like, well, it's really hard to do that over 30. Like that's, I'm like, really? And he's like, (laughs) yeah. He's like, no, I'm like really impressed. I didn't think you do. I'm like, oh my goodness. But I had to have good boundaries about my body, what I was consuming because I didn't, I wasn't healthy. And so even now, now I don't track 
every day, but I now know what those boundary lines are of what is good for me. It wasn't good for what's not good for me. Doesn't mean I don't have a Coke every now and again. Doesn't mean I have a, I don't have a glass of red wine or a ribeye. I do. I just know now, okay, what's a good portion? Mm. What does it feel like for my body to say it's full now? Because I never even knew what it meant to be normal full. I just knew what it was like to be Thanksgiving full every day mm. of my life. And so in realizing that my body has a boundary there and tells me when I'm full and it's okay mm-hmm. to stop and it's okay to go for a run instead of grabbing a bag of chips. It's okay to call a friend or go and do dishes instead of grabbing uh, Oreos or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's those boundaries with my body that I've also had to learn new in my forties that I didn't honor in my twenties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's wonderful. And especially like with relationships, you can, and it's important to incorporate, you know, the significant other into helping maintain and establish those boundaries. And mm-hmm. I like the metric that you use just for, you know, like food consumption example and exercise can also be applied to physical boundaries and like media use and finances is like, you know, what is best for us? And then what are the things that, you know, make us feel good in in moderation, um, but all to keep us healthy, um, heart, mind, um, body and soul, kind of like be the guiding metric of deciding those boundaries. So I really like that. That's the thing about boundaries. I don't, I think there's a misconception that people think that boundaries are something that's supposed to make life not fun. Yes. But I have found that boundaries have given me more freedom because when I lived without boundaries, I made so many mistakes and I felt so anxious and so consumed. Mm -hmm. I was never at peace. I was always at war because there wasn't a good boundary line so that I could keep myself or keep other people safe. And, And now that I understand that those boundaries are not there, to just prevent me from having fun or living life. They're there so I can live life to the fullest. Mm-hmm. So I can have them a marriage that is good and strong and faithful. So I can have a body that's strong and functioning and faithful. It doesn't give out on me when I'm climbing stairs. Mm-hmm. That's those things about boundaries. They can be good things. And it was a struggle. I told Lydia, I have a friend of mine that loves this Bible verse about um, the boundary lines for me have fallen in good places. And I was always like, (laughs) and then I was like one day, Oh, I get it. Oh, I understand where these boundary lines within my marriage have fallen in good places because I get to be my best me. He gets to be his best him. As long as the boundary is loving God first. If, if what I do loves God, it doesn't, he, he doesn't even worry about me. If loving God first is the first thing he does, I don't worry about him. We never have to worry about respect. We don't have to worry about trust. I never have to worry about infidelity. He doesn't have to worry about my eyes, where they're going, because God is first in our life. And that is our boundary line. Mm-hmm. And that has fallen in the best places for us. Mm-hmm. That kind of like leads me to my next question. But how do you navigate in your marriage meeting with the opposite sex? Um, so that was never an issue for us because of Jesus. Like, my husband always, he knew that I was created to be in ministry and to be a pastor. And because I love God, he didn't put parameters on what God had called me to do. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those things. Someone, I had 
talked about this with friends and they're like, but Kate, is it appropriate for you to meet with men? And I said, oh, wait, so God called me just to be a female pastor. <laughs> and he calls males just to be male pastors. And we can only minister to. And they're like, I said, no, God has called me to pastor the flock. Mm. Like, I love what I do. My husband knows that because I love Jesus, I'm not going to just pastor one gender. It's mm. both. Mm-hmm. Like, these are my brothers and sisters in Christ. These are my babies. I look at that people in church. I'm like, these are my babies. I don't sexualize them. And mm-hmm. so the moment that my friends and I were having that conversation, like you just sexualize people in my flock and the relationships that I have. And as mm-hmm. a pastor, I don't sexualize them. Okay. So it never became a problem because he knew that what I was doing was the work that God called me to do. Um, and I mentor and coach male pastors. I've been walking with a, with a particular male pastor for three years now. And what I love is that, um, I've mentored and we coached and there's not a subject that we haven't talked about. And there are times I'll send them back to his wife and say, you've got two weeks to talk to your wife about this. You've got a a month to talk to your wife about this. Right. And he will, and he comes back and I've talked to her and they've had those conversations, but he sees me as my, as a pastor. He doesn't see me as a sexual object. I don't see him as a sexual object, even though he does he does have a loving, great relationship with his wife, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm not seeing him just as that. He is, he is a child of God that I, I get to coach and mentor um, because God's that boundary. It's never been an issue. I counsel men, I've discipled men. They've been in and out of our house. My husband is, has been here and I've done Bible studies with a guy and they've had all of us have had dinner together and then the guy and I will continue the Bible study and Scott goes plays video games. Um, but it's never, but the same things happened with it with women. I've women over and um, have done Bible studies and Scott doesn't worry about me being, you know, in a sexual relationship with them either because he knows that I am living out my call and I'm honoring God through it. So that's never been a problem for us with me and my profession meeting with either men or women because I'm doing what I'm called to do. But here's the thing. He always knows where I'm at. He always knows who I'm meeting with. We have access to each other's phones. He has a password on my phone. I have the password on him. I've never checked his phone. He's never checked mine. We have access to it. But half the time we're sitting on the couch and we're like both on our phones at the same time. We can both see what's going on. Mm -hmm. We talk about the conversations. So it's not, we've not even had to say, okay, um, someone said, well, did you need to talk about places that you can meet with with guys that you're mentoring? No, I've gone out and had a beer with someone who was a guy that I've been mentoring. It doesn't matter where we're at. I'm still called by God to do that work, whether it's in a bar, in my home, in the church, I am answering that call first. Um, and the moment someone sexualizes those relationships, I'm like, uh-uh, wait, 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 no, 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 no. What mm-hmm. lens has culture or the world put on your eyes right now to see? What does the Bible say for you to see about others and other people mm-hmm. um, and the role of a pastor? So it's, it's not, it, it's not been an issue and it has surprised people, but God first. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering what has been 
the like hardest boundary you've had to set oh sorry just like no fair (laughs) question the hardest boundary i've had to set in marriage yeah it could be in marriage or just like in general or in dating yeah or in dating Okay, so Scott and I are dating life because I had three kids. Two of them were three-year-olds and one was one. Like dating was McDonald's with Playland. I mean, it's super sexy. Let's just talk about how sexy that was. Like, yeah. Or let's make macaroni and cheese and shake and bake because we didn't have have a lot of money Mm -hmm. then. So when we were dating... I don't think we talked a lot about boundaries, but he was very cognizant of the boundaries of letting me parent Mm -hmm. and him not parenting until we became married. And we had discussions about what that was like as a household. Um, We invited my ex-husband in and, and the person that he was seeing and had those conversations about family. But the kids called him Scott at first, right? Because he's Scott they made the decision to call him dad. And so we, we didn't put those boundary, we put boundary lines up where it's like our kids got to decide those things. But when it came to parenting until um, a certain point where we got married, I parented, he cared for, he didn't mm-hmm. overstep. When there was something that changed after we got married and the kids started calling him dad, where we both then were like parenting the kids. And at that point, like the boundaries all changed. I can't even name it, but I can just tell you everything changed because we became a partnership in how we parented. And there was a hierarchy in our home. We loved our children, but we put each other first. And it was always God, each other, and then our kids, right? And everything that we did lived out of that boundary. And so if times where the kids disrespected him or disrespected me, if they're arguing, hmm, that's like, that's like my man. That's, that's like his woman. Like you don't cross that boundary. You let our kids know about that. Um, so those were some of the things that we had to work on setting up. That was kind of, I think the most nuanced and the hardest, um, of trying to figure that out, how he became stepdad and became, you know, cope, you know, co-parent with the, with like our, with him and I, like that was the hardest because we'd have conversations and where do people feel comfortable and not comfortable and involving the ex-husband and involving like the kids? That's a lot of communication and it all worked out in the end. Um, so much so that I'm like, I think the kids like him better as a parent than me. Like, I'm like, man, wait, he's like the favorite one. They go to him. They want to, you know, I'm like, so that it's been a beautiful to see those boundaries change and those relationships grow, but it took work and it took clarity. I think whenever there isn't clarity, you don't have good boundaries. You can't see those lines. You've got to be able to see them clearly. So you got to talk and see. Do you think the key is all in like communicating or finding someone willing to have that conversation? Um, Yeah. What would be, what would be your advice for people um, entering dating and then for entering marriage and just like how to establish good boundaries. So one of the things I would say to establish good boundaries, if you can't talk to that person about anything you're thinking and feeling, 
you're not ready to get married because you're not, you don't actually have good boundaries. Mm -hmm. If you're more afraid of hurting someone's feelings than being kind and telling them the truth, that's a boundary that needs to be reset. Mm -hmm. um, Brene Brown says being clear is kind. And so it, what you think, what you need, what you feel, if your partner does not have clarity about what you think about something, what you need, what you feel, a concern, a habit, or a hurt, you are not being clear with them. If there's not clarity, there will be a boundary line that's broken that has to happen. It's a must. If there's a topic that you're afraid to, to talk about, I'm, I'm afraid to hurt her feelings because you're not being clear and you're not being kind about what you need. They can't help take care of that need or even know what you want. So that boundary will be broken. If you want to have good boundaries, if you want to have good trust and respect, you got to throw it all on the line. The moment you let fear dictate you or stop you from speaking truth is the moment that there's a breakdown in the relationship. Love yourself enough, your partner enough to always speak the truth and to be clear. If you don't, if you want to be unkind and you want unhealthy boundaries, then say nothing or stop listening. But if you want more, if you want trust and respect, you got to open these. You got to open these. Mm. That's so true. And yeah, I think I think there's a there's a balance that has to be had because you can be on like two different positions. One, you are very clear and kind to the point where you think it's, you know, this is a conviction of yours and you're not going to budge. So it's almost on the point of a little too clear, not enough kind. And then there's the other side where you really love this person so much where you don't even want to be clear. You just want to be kind. And then you build up resentment. So I guess that's something that perhaps just comes with time. Or would you say that this needs to be kind of like figured out in dating or... Is this just like an experiential thing? I would say it's something to definitely work on while dating. Like if this is my concern, like I think sometimes, sometimes it's very easy to hide facets of ourselves mm -hmm. because we're afraid of what the other person's think. Then we're not being kind to ourselves mm -hmm. and we're sacrificing a side of ourselves that we are never meant to be like, we're meant to show those things. I think being clear from, from the start is good. And like, you know, first dates, first dates were always clear. Oh, I don't want to meet there. No, I'm not comfortable there. We can meet there. Like, do you know that? You know what I mean? Like first mm -hmm. dates, you're pretty clear about comfortability, where you're going to go, where you're not going to go, where you're going to meet, where you're not going to meet. But why does that change by date five? Like, how do we go from being the most clear people on date one to date five or 10 not being very clear? And then by the time we're engaged, we're now hiding things and not being clear because I'm afraid I'm going to lose them. Like, wait, how does this happen? Oh, no. that is interesting. How does that happen? <laughs> I'm like, no, be as clear as you were on your first date, right? Because you're inspecting, if that first date, you're inspecting them to say, hmm, do I want this person in my life? Do I want to be in their life? Am I worth their time? Or are they worth my time? Mm -hmm. I think even when you're, when you're dating, when you're marriage, when you're speaking about a boundary, you're doing the same thing. This person is worth my time. I am worth their time. 
Yeah. I think when there's a boundary that's broken, maybe one of those things we've either made an assessment that maybe, maybe they're not, they're not worth it. So I'm going to break this boundary mm-hmm. or I'm not worth it. So I'm going to break this boundary. Mm-hmm. Honey, you're worth it. They're worth it. Hold the line. That line is there to protect you and to protect them. Sometimes mm-hmm. we don't see those lines as protection. It's like, nope, you have them there. If, if you break that boundary, it could cause damage. Mm-hmm. Um, if I broke the boundary of, of not, like we don't have a cap on what not to spend, but we've agreed not to purchase each other like vehicles. Because <laughs> we're both picky. Like I don't want him like just going out and buying me a car because there's things I like. I mean, I'm you not don't want a Tesla in the driveway <laughs> yeah, tomorrow. Right. And we're not right. And we're not ballers either. But like we definitely have different choices. Like mm-hmm. so, I'm not gonna go buy him a, a vehicle. But if I both broke that boundary, I'm like, mm, but babe, I bought you. Don't you like this? That's about me feeling good about myself, not mm-hmm. about me actually doing something to honor and care for him. That's a broken boundary because we agreed. I broke that so I could make myself feel good. Not really about giving him what he needs or what he wanted because he told me what he's wanted. He, he didn't tell me what he wanted, right? I made, a, I made assumptions. I think those things in relationships, we got to stop assuming and just ask for the truth of it yeah. or tell the truth of it. Like physical boundaries in marriage, it cracks me up. I talk to so many people who are like, I always do these, like I used to do these classes and I always love talking about sex. It's always my favorite subject to talk about because I would always say to, to husbands and wives, I'm like, when it comes to sex and those boundaries, it's like, does your partner know what feels good to you? And so many people are like, no, I haven't said it. I'm like, so you have boundaries that are broken all the time because you're not clear on what feels good and what hurts. That's crazy. That's like being in the kitchen and serving your spouse tuna and they hate tuna or you <laughs> eating tuna and never telling your spouse you, you don't like tuna, like speak up and say what feels good, what doesn't feel good. Or, um, I would have conversations and say, do, do they know what arouses you? Do they know what gives you pleasure? Well, they never asked, wait a second. Did you not tell? This is a this is a good space to draw a boundary. So let's mm-hmm. reset. Let's have a conversation so we know what the boundary is. Oh, I live within that boundary. Know that you know everyone can have pleasure and no one has to feel pain. But people just don't talk about it. It's like no, you gotta you gotta reset those. You gotta have boundaries within your own body, within your own marriage and bedroom. So you both deserve it. It mm-hmm. should just not be one person gets all of the good stuff. You both should get the good stuff. So figure oh. that out. Yeah. Figure it out till it works. Till everyone gets the good stuff. Not no more tuna. <laughs> no more tuna. Oh my goodness. We're not tuna every week. I can have tuna once exactly. a month. <laughs> but not every day. Oh my word. That's fantastic. Probably wow. the best advice I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> Curious, kind of like going back to like broken boundaries. How do you navigate after a boundary's been broken, like that conversation or that process? What does that look like? Okay, we've been married for so long, it seldom happens. Um, it seldom happens. Like it might be a boundary with feelings, or maybe how we say something. We both have a tone. 
<laughs> you know, that tone. I think every couple has a tone. If, if you're, if you're a child and you have parents, you have a tone and you know, your parents tone, you know, the tone, everyone gets this little tone. Um, I think sometimes when we're frustrated, we'll both have a tone and that can cross a boundary because then that tone, we're not loving mm-hmm. each other well. And so, um, we've had to like maneuver through that of even saying when that boundary is broken, which is like, it sounds minimal, but that is probably the easiest one for us to break Mm -hmm. of saying something in a way that's hurtful or snide or impatient. Um, Just looking at the other person and saying the way you said that hurt my feelings and not waiting. Cause if we waited, it like festers. (laughs) And if it festers, it'll grow into like something ridiculous. And then we're both frustrated. And um, then at night we're going to bed, we have to sleep where my like leg is over top of his leg. And then we're both so frustrated that I withhold my leg and neither one of us gets any sleep because we're not touching each other. And then that's just stupid. So we've just realized, oh, we both need good sleep. My leg needs to go on his leg, which means we don't have to talk about why, what was said and how it was said and how it hurt us or how it was offensive. It's those boundaries that it's easy to like forget that we can't cross or when they are crossed, we have to address them pretty quickly. Yeah. Mm. That's an important one. Um, my mom always told me like, do not let the sunset on, on anger. And what I've noticed with men, and this could be a maturity thing, um, that has to happen, but they just don't want to work on things at night or like have like a resolvement because maybe like conflict can be scary. Um, but that's just like not something that really wants to be resolved then in there. Um, it sounds like you, you also think that it's probably good to not go to bed angry. Um, but do you think that's something important? Yeah. I was it's not going to bed angry. <laughs> Like he is, Scott Barman is like level and calm and nice. And he's not the one going to bed angry. I'm the one going to bed angry. And so it's usually like my little hard-hearted self. And that's what it boils down to. I've become hard-hearted to not want to speak it. And Mm -hmm. it's those moments, like I'm laying down. And I find that in those moments, I can't even pray because I'm so angry. And then I'm convicted Mm -hmm. because if I can't go to the God who I hold first in this world, because I'm angry, mm, and I got some amends to make. I got some words to say. I may have been offended by something he did, but there I am holding on to my anger so much so that when I'm praying, I'm like, oh, I can even pray with my husband. I can't even talk to God because I'm angry. And now my leg is not on his leg. And it's a thing. It's me that goes mm-hmm. to bed angry. He doesn't want to do it. And nine times out of 10, it's me going to him and saying, I'm sorry. This was my tone. Or I'm sorry. I love you. Will you forgive me? It's not, it's not him. It's me. Yeah. There have been a few times where he's like, I get a text message or something. He'll say, I'm sorry that I said this. I'm sorry. I was impatient. And so we've, we've now tried to outdo each other in saying, I'm sorry first mm-hmm. of like, Ooh, we're not going to let time pass. We're going to resolve this because I love him that much. And he loves me that much resolve it quickly so it's out of the way because then it just impacts your sleep and impacts your entire night 
uh-uh, I don't want that. I need, I, yeah. I want good sleep. I want to be able to sleep through the night without going to the bathroom. I'm in my forties. Like, yeah. <laughs> come on. I don't need one more other thing keeping me up at night. Like, let's just get this done. Yeah. Good sleeping habits is a good boundary to have. <laughs> and you know what? I feel like a ton of people in dating don't set this boundary up soon. Um, especially uh, younger um, when I was starting dating, I remember a lot of conversation would start around like 10 p.m., 11 p.m. And that really troubles me with um, people dating that they don't have good sleeping boundaries and respect for one another to have good conversation and time together during the sunlight hours and um, to respect each other's sleep. I think that's really important. It is respecting someone's sleep is a big deal. Like that's been one of the biggest sorts of sources of attention in our house. So Scott Barman is a big snorer and he has sleep apnea. And it's like for 20 years, I've been telling him this. Finally, like in the last few months, he went to the doctor and it was discovered that, yeah, he does have sleep apnea and yeah, he does have snore. It's pretty bad. So he just got a CPAP machine, right? Because I have now for the last four or five years been sleeping with earplugs because I don't want to not sleep with my husband. And I would get so frustrated with him, but he can't control that on his own. So I put in earplugs, but he went and now he's like messing with his CPAP machine so that he can have better sleep and I can have better sleep and we're taking care of each other. But there were some big boundaries that were crossed as we were trying to maneuver and figure this out of like, I want to listen to you snore. And he's like, well, I don't want to sleep without my wife. And it's like, okay, how are we going to resolve this one? Yeah. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. That's so true. I think my only example with like a sleeping boundary would be um, I'm, I'm currently in a relationship and it's long distance. And so what I've done, and this is hard because it's long distance, like I want to take up all the time I can to talk to my um, current boyfriend, but it just got to a point where I was like, no, I'm not getting enough sleep. So we have a hard like cut off at at 10 hard bedtime and so if we want to talk to each other we need to make time sometime before 10 o'clock and then communication ceases and I go to bed and it's pretty great (laughs) and yeah the one one thing right is that I'm getting my sleep (laughs) hopefully he is too but I I can't control what's going on there (laughs) yeah Yeah, but that's more than one thing. That's two things. One, you were clear, you were kind, you both expressed what you needed, you both expressed what you wanted, and you found a way to figure that out so that both of your needs were met. That's more than one thing. That's a beautiful thing. If you can do that throughout your relationship, how many more wins will you have and less battles because you're setting up good boundaries along the way, right? So good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Big boundary fan. Lydia, you are too. Oh, I am. (laughs) Love having boundary conversations when I'm dating someone. Ooh, like what? Like what? Like what? Like tell me what a boundary conversation is. Well, oh, so like normally mine's like physical boundaries, and I'll just like just bring it up. I actually brought it up on the first date one time, and then we talked about sexuality for like two hours. But I honestly just like love talking about boundaries, Mm. just a lot of fun. Oh, this like, I'm so interested. What's a good physical? So, so I haven't dated, like been on a first date in like a million years. Like what are good 
what are good dating, like first date physical boundaries? Like, do you, is it okay to touch, not touch, hold hands? Like, what is it like? Cause I don't even know how long you've known someone these days before you have a first date. So this is so interesting to me. Yeah. I think like for me, it depends on if it's like a dating app date or if it's like one of my friends that I've been friends with for a while. And then we're like going on a date and I feel like I'm more open to being physical with someone I've been friends with for a while and like have a, like a relationship with, um, dating app ones are always interesting because there's really like a 70 30 like percent chance that they're gonna like want to sleep with you on the first date oh. so like trying to like make that clear and like gauge it out in the first couple minutes of like what's happening because lots of times I'll like have it with they're like wait you're like not coming home with me tonight I'm like no actually like I'm not even having sex till marriage and they're like what <laughs> I'm like yeah like we can talk about it but yeah. Oh, so you have to have some major boundary conversation. Oh yes, yes. Yeah. See, I don't, I don't do that off the bat, Lydia. <laughs> Listen, it's like I'm not gonna go on like a second date if like you like just want to like hook up, you know? Yeah. yeah so might I as guess... well get it over with. The my two healthiest relationships I've I've been in my longest relationships and mine currently is I've started off with seeing them like alone and, and um, doing something with them alone, but as friends. And so like we weren't even, um, ha- we didn't have the pressure that we were on a date, like we were just friends. And it wasn't like the weird um, talking that people do now to like assess if we would date you. It was kind of like genuine, just friendship, like going to coffee or going to an event or something like that. Um, nothing like talky, I guess, what, you know kids call it um and I think that was really helpful and then from there um like my current boyfriend actually met with my parent or met my dad before he asked me out on a date and then um you know the first date happened and (laughs) and boundaries I never I think that it would have been important to have a conversation before like anything happened because um, it's kind of just been like make it up on the go, which isn't exactly the healthiest thing. Um, but you got to learn somehow. And I hadn't had to have those conversations before, except maybe in you know my first serious relationship. And so I think as time goes on, I'm getting better with communicating. Like, no, this is not what I want to do because I want to honor God. I want to honor you. You know, I want to do this in marriage. This doesn't make me feel good now type thing. So it's just been like learning on the go, um, which I don't I don't recommend. But, you know, it just had to happen. Yeah. Well, and I feel like I mean, that's kind of how this podcast got started. Right. Like, at least for me, because I was like told, like, you know, you should probably write down like your boundaries and convictions on these things before you actually get in the situations. Otherwise, like, who knows what's going to happen? And yeah, then I was like sitting there. I was like, I have no idea what to write down, nor do I want to write anything down because I like love like what I'm doing right now. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, struggle. that is kind of how we started because I reached out to Lydia in just like a moment of crisis. I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. Like, is this is this good? Like, what does God say about this? And, um, yeah, and then we really just started studying and reading, and I spent some more time in scripture um, and started surrounding myself with Lydia and, and your friends, 
And from there, I've really found like support in, you know, facing these things. Cause I think that there is a lot of guilt on women and a lot of pressure on women. And when we feel lost, um, we don't always have the best things to turn to and the best resources to help us out. Um, I was just fortunate enough to be friends with Lydia and to have like mentorship, you know, through her and her community. So yeah, that's kind of how we started the podcast. <laughs> it's so good. I think when I look back at um, when I was your age, oh gosh, these things that come out of my mouth now, like I didn't have good boundaries around relationships or other people because I didn't love myself enough. Mm-hmm. I didn't love myself enough. And I found that when I started to like myself and when I realized that it was okay to love myself, mm-hmm. I had the best boundaries about what I would allow people to do or not do, what I would let people have permission to do or not permission Mm -hmm. to do with every aspect of my life, whether that was like dating or work or how people would talk to me even. It's like, nope, I had to figure, like I had to care for myself. Mm -hmm. And it was in caring for myself that I learned those boundaries. I used to let people talk to me a certain way and get away with saying things. Now it's like, "Mm mm-mm. Mm -mm. I care about myself. I care about my heart. I care about what I feel. I care about what things happen to me. Mm -hmm. So I can speak out. And now I have boundaries of what is acceptable and not acceptable, what is passable and not passable. Mm -hmm. And they're not going to be crossed because I deserve better. But most of my like teens and twenties, I didn't, I didn't have those boundaries because I wanted to be loved so much Mm -hmm. by anybody that I wasn't willing to accept anything. And so Mm -hmm. I had no boundaries. And when I had no boundaries, my heart ended up being trampled on and bruised, but a boundaries there so that my heart could be protected so Mm -hmm. that when I wanted to give it away or open it up, it was able to withstand it Mm because it was going to be handled with care and it wasn't going to be bruised, but no boundaries, no, no boundaries. My heart was beat to a pulp. Yeah. We've talked about this on, I don't even remember, I think it was in the purity season. Um, but just like, even like when I, like a couple of years ago, when I was like hooking up with guys, like doing all these different things, it was because I was like so insecure and I like, I couldn't draw any lines. And like, I was just like feeding off like this, like affirmation that they were giving me and all of this stuff. And then, you know, like once it like kind of changed, I was like, oh, like, wait, like that's hurting me so much. Like I can't do that. Like just for like myself. And then even after like I started going to counseling, I think kind of like you were saying, I like realized how much like people say affects me and like what I can put up with and what I can't put up with. And it's like totally changed just as like I've grown and like how much I love myself and my self-confidence. Yes. It's like what we deserve. We deserve better than what we accept. And this is like any gender. I'm like guys that I talk to too, that are dating, (laughs) they deserve better than what they're, putting out there, but they're allowing these boundaries to be crossed because they want to be, I'm like, no, 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 no. You put up your boundaries. You protect you. You care for you. Find someone that's good enough to be in your world, in your life. And then talk about boundaries. Then you need to like pivot and have these conversations about what do we set up together? Mm So, so good. Yeah. And then from there, you can find people that align with your convictions and what you believe in um, 
yeah, I think that's, that's super important. Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, Kate, for being on the show. It was such a pleasure to talk with you and just hear all your insights into boundaries and marriage and honestly, just making boundaries as a woman. So it was so great hearing from you. And we hope that everyone enjoyed this episode and was able to take something from it. So make sure if you have any questions or comments to either DM us on Instagram or email us at theholyship.podcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like, please leave us a five-star review and write us a review on iTunes. So thank you. We hope you have a best week ever.